Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 31st of May. Today I am joined by Alina Kazmi, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Alina. How are you today? I'm very well, Peter. What about yourself? Uh, I'm feeling a bit depressed. Uh, the reason is because it's been hailing and raining outside. You know, I mean, we're we're almost in June, and you know, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it's 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 not right. It's not right. But anyway, no, actually, I'm I'm okay. It's always sunny. It's always sunny in this room. Um, <laughs> so anyway, what um, story have you got for us today, then? The story that I found the most interesting today was about Singapore's Southern Wealth Fund um, with the US developer Greystar that won the bidding for the three billion portfolio of student housing called Student Boost. I think I found it very interesting because I was a student and it sort of resembled with sort of like um, how student housing is going and Uh like the benefits and the costs. And it was also interesting because it, the deal was done in such an uncertain economic period mm. and it shows confidence in the UK rental market despite inflation increasing and rising interest rates. Mm. And I think generally, like in general terms, student property investment has seen huge growth with international investors. So mm. they're really trying to leverage the demand for student accommodation across the UK. And I think it's good in a sense that there is high yield because when where students sort of are sharing a house they're paying more collectively as opposed to a regular family Mm. and it was one of like the largest uk real estate deals since the pandemic began so it does show that despite there's less favorable economic markets it shows that investors are really looking for the long-term benefits because Mm. it's not property and it's sort of reevaluated and adjusted to manage inflation, like the property rents. And yeah. with sort of like us moving out of lockdown and, you know, students are moving back to um, like student housing because there's there's not much hybrid learning anymore because it benefits mm. students if they're on site, especially mm. with campus universities. I think with work, people are still working hybrid, but for students, they are moving to on-site learning. Mm. So... I think it's a really good sort of investment in terms of there is a lot of high demand. And mm. especially when you compare it to commercial properties, there's a tenant's market in terms of properties are sort of left empty and they can, like tenants can negotiate prices. But I think with students, they don't really negotiate prices. And most of the time it's parents paying and you don't a lot of times you can't really commute because it's not convenient and therefore and especially because university offers so many different facilities that it's a lot easier to stay in student accommodation because it's more secure and there's lots of um, things available on campus Mm. but I think it's really interesting to see like how they'll balance it with sort of the push towards sustainable student housing because and investors and landlords would need to invest green strategies to meet UK's carbon net zero targets. And they would need to incorporate low carbon technologies and retrofitting to make these properties more eco-friendly. But I guess mm. in that sense, it's good because 
students go home for the summer so they have that time to sort of upgrade these properties to make them more sustainable and mm. I think it's I think there needs to be a push for affordable housing for students for lower income families but I think overall there is it would be a really good investment into student accommodation but what do you think Peter? Yeah I mean I, th I think that the <clears throat> student accommodation market has got a lot of attractions to it. Um, I think that you've got vast numbers of people um, moving in, at, you know, in one at one time. You know, so you've got the beginning of the academic year, the end of the academic year. Um, then you, you know, you've got um, so you've got lots of properties all on. You know, so for for the for these um, for this company, you know, you've got lots of properties to look after, um, and. Uh, you know, when when um, students move out, you've got a few months to either, you know, uh, renovate, you know, renovate, um, renovate them um, or you can if renovation isn't needed, you can hire them out for <clears throat> sort of summer school, um, that sort of thing. You know, maybe um, uh, English for foreign students when you know to prepare them for the coming year, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's lots of ways of making money, and you, I, I would, I would have thought that it is a relatively um, easy in the sense that, you know, as you say, it's not the gen by and large, it's not the students paying; it's their parents. So you've got like an extra buffer and a more of a, you know, kind of guarantor situation, um, which means that it's safe. You know, it's relatively safe as far as, a, you know, property investment can be. I would have also have thought, um, although, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not a, um, you know, I am not an expert in this area, but I would have thought that, um, you know, dealing with the universities, <clears throat> there's a lot of attraction for the universities dealing with one big company than say 50 private landlords who may or may not answer their phone um and then and uh, e equally for the students you know they're not chasing some landlord who's on the other side of the country um you know constantly you need you, you know you've got someone and somewhere to phone so it's all you know i think that it's it's quite a nice relationship i imagine that they probably you know the current owners probably um, got a bit burnt um, under under lockdown because, of course, loads of students got sent home, and you know this, the the accommodation wasn't usable really. Um, there were times, weren't there? I mean, God, this seems like so long ago, but it wasn't that long ago when students were effectively imprisoned in their own, um, you know, in their accommodation with with sort of worried parents sort of coming in and dropping off food and stuff by the door and i mean it was just just a nightmare but so but anyway i'm you know that aside um i would have thought that actually you know there's there's a lot of growth potential here because um everything's opening up as you say uh, people are wanting to go back on campus learn face to face um and you know get that whole kind of uh, you know university feeling that you're an experience that everyone go is going on about um that everyone's been missing out on uh, over the last two years. So I would have thought that there, there's a lot of growth potential here. Yeah, and I think it makes it easier because there's new students that come in every year. So I'd yeah. assume it would be easier to sort of 
like increase the prices because mm. if it's like one family or a sort of like um if it's like one sort of company that are residing in one office like because it's the same you can't really change the prices as much compared to if you have mm. many people coming in mm. and you and especially because the market is students and students are sort of vulnerable or naive I don't know what you'd call it but they would pay what you're asking for because just because of the hassle and the ease of sort of having sort of all of like um the facilities available and sort of it being connected to university and all the other benefits that you get with it mm. no I agree I agree and I, and I think that you know being a bit possibly a bit cynical about it um they can I think when you've got lots of tenants moving at roughly the same time, as long as you do think, you know, maintenance, um, you can, I would have thought more easily raise the, uh, what your charges are because you could go back to the university and say, look, I'm sorry, but we've raised the charges for this coming academic year because we've done X, Y, Z in installed um, solar glass um, which has made the uh, the building more efficient and blah 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 and therefore um, that's you know it has cost us so we're gonna you know we'll just put an extra five percent on hope that's all right I would have thought you could kind of get away with doing that if you are a massive landlord um, I mean you, you've got to not you know take things too far but I think it's easier to do that on mass as a as a student landlord than it is to be a you know uh like a private landlord uh, wanting wanting to do the same thing it's also interesting by the way <clears throat> looking at this that um the likes of waitrose uh and bark i'm sorry waitrose lloyd's bank and who else can i think i think legal in general mind you legal in general as uh, I think they have form in terms of um, getting into, um, you know, real estate. I mean, I don't know if whether Waitrose and, and, and uh, Lloyd's is is a student accommodation per se, but it does suggest to me that, you know, there is there's definitely still mileage in terms of becoming a um, a, a big landlord um, of lots of properties. And I think that, uh, but I think that the student area can be particularly attractive in in my opinion yeah especially because like even during summer you have like summer schools and like yeah with graduations parents sort of like but especially if you like to live far away from university they usually like book rooms hmm. so they still demand even over the summer and you can carry out maintenance so mm-hmm. i think it's sort of like a win-win situation for everyone really yeah definitely so it'll be interesting to see whether you know are is there going to be more consolidation um here i mean it, it's eminently possible you know and i i just wonder whether uh you know are we going to see a few massive land you know sort of mega um student land, landlords ultimately because obviously the more property you can get you can get economies of scale you can have you know you can have your kind of um admin functions squeezed together you can have your maintenance you know you have your maintenance sorted and can have a very slick operation um which works well and uh you know and you can make decent margin so um so yeah it'll be interesting to see whether there's more of this yeah so what's your most interesting story from today um well my most interesting story from today uh is all about um the car market so 
Uh, my question that I put onto um, uh, you know social media today uh, was was will the car market collapse? Now I think that there were some very interesting facts uh, about the car market um, today. So for for the first fact was about how um, car ownership, uh, according to the latest figures from the SMMT. Uh, that's the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, which is the industry body. Um, they the um, the car ownership has fallen. Um, that has been due largely to um, not having that many new you know, new vehicles for sale, or or rather, um, it being less attractive to buy new cars um, at the moment because of the lead time. Uh, and the other thing as well is is rising fuel costs making own car ownership less attractive um i mean some some of these cars i was trying to work this out the other day i mean some of these cars like a let's say a big suv i would have thought i mean i i must i must admit here i i did used to have quite a big car a few years ago and at that point uh it was about a uh, 85 90 quid to fill it up um, <laughs> I dread to think that. So now I think that would be more like 170 quid um, to fill up. Um, and I think that would be eye-watering <laughs> to go to a garage and just go, especially if you're on the motorway, that's even worse. You know, uh, putting a fuel, pump, fuel, fuel thing in and um, just watching those numbers just zip, zip by. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, cost of fuel is, is, is prohibitive. Uh, and, and and another little anecdote for you the other day is that um you know my my car which is a per, which is a which is a humble Peugeot right <laughs> so um i uh, had the engine light go on so i had to have it look, you know checked out and um and i was i was chatting to the the person you know like the salesperson and i said uh, you know what what is the lead time at the moment for for a new car and she was saying that her colleague had ordered one last week and um the le- he was told that uh the it was going to be delivered in november wow. so i mean this is this is you know this is pretty incredible stuff and you can see why i mean the you know i was saying to you before that when you go generally speaking people that go into a car showroom generally are on the verge of buying or that's certainly what the, the um, salespeople are hoping because obviously they don't want tire kickers. You know, they want people to come in ready to buy, you know, uh, thinking about buying because, you know, they have to, that's their job is selling cars. Yeah. And, um, and yet, you know, if you come have someone come in, they look at it, they take the, take the thing out. It's all, it's all good. Um, they say, yes, we'll, we'll have this, a cup holder, you know, a roof rack, whatever. And, and then they say, okay, that's, that's, that's fantastic, but you'll have to wait until November. Then you can understand that people are going, well, actually, I can't, I, I don't want to wait that long. Um, what, what have you got over there? And then that's when they then buy the used cars. And that's what's been driving the, um, the second, you know, the secondhand car market. So going back to it, uh, I think that, you know, so car ownership, so this is a couple of things. One is car ownership is, is falling. And the second thing is that um, the cars on the road are actually getting older. Uh, so on average, um, a, car, a, a car on the road now is 8.7 years old. Uh, and interestingly, um, so again, this is in case you are at a, a party, uh, perhaps, and looking for 
uh, exciting conversation to stimulate uh, those around you, um, you, you can have this for free. Uh, 25% of cars on the road, can you imagine this if someone said this to you? Oh, by the way, did you realize that actually that the, the average age of cars over the, uh, 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 oh, I can't do that voice. So more than 25% of cars on the road are 12 year, are over 12 years old. That's pretty decent, um, you know, figure. And so anyway, my, where I'm going with this is all about, I wonder whether the um, car market, um, car sales are ultimately going to go sideways and then potentially down because I wonder whether people are just driving their current cars and thinking, well, I'm not, I don't want to go for anything else. It's a big ticket purchase. Um, the economy's not looking great. Fuel prices are, are, are a nightmare. Um, so I'm just going to stick with what I've got for the moment. And I'm going to wait to get an electric vehicle when the prices come down. So obviously the prices have just gone up. Um, you know, most recently, famously, um, Tesla's put their prices up uh, recently. Uh, and this is all to do with the battery prices going up. But anyway, um, so anyway, people are going to be waiting to get an electric vehicle. And that means that ult ultimately fewer cars you know that people well people are just aren't going to be buying cars so it's not i suppose it's it's i would say rather than more cars there's going to be maybe same cars or maybe more but there are going to be fewer potential buyers um and so i think that uh although they are very uh, sort of car dealerships are very seem to be quite bullish at the moment and i would have thought they certainly do well over the next six to twelve months I think beyond that, there is a danger that, you know, car sales will just dry up because people are, will just wait until they want to buy an electric vehicle. But I don't know. What, what do you reckon? I think it's really interesting, like, especially all the facts and figures. But yeah. I think I think especially like for me personally, I think car sharing is becoming a lot more common as well. So like when I go to work, because I live with like um I live near people that sort of work near the same work in the same place so it's a lot easier to sort of just go in one car and I think like a lot of businesses are sort of encouraging car sharing cycling to work so I think with like the fuel prices rising it's a lot more sort of cost efficient to share a car and I think that's another reason that people yeah. aren't sort of buying new cars because and they're sort of happy with what they have because I think it's sort of do you need a new car or is it just a want? And especially if you have to wait five months for a car for people who are impatient as me, I don't think I would wait five months. But mm. I think it's it, it's just interesting to see like what would happen. But I do think at the moment, because especially because um, microchips are sort of like mainly sort of like come from like, from China and China's in a lockdown at the moment. So when that starts to ease, I do think new cars will pick up the pace and mm. people would of course if the economic conditions improve and they'll also be more inclined to buying new cars but at the moment i definitely think there will be a slowdown in mm. buying cars mm. yeah i mean you know we'll we'll see won't we um it, i mean i suppose it could go either way really but um i i on balance i think that the market is going to get weaker because of not because of the poor supply because at the moment i think that it's a case of there's not many cars on the uh you know that there are not as many um 
cars available to buy secondhand um, and there's a relatively strong demand. Whereas I kind of wonder whether the amount of cars on the market is, is going to stay the same and that the buyer, the buyer numbers are going to fall away. So, um, so, you know, we'll see. But anyway, um, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, two very interesting topics today. Um, just wanted to say, obviously, uh, you know, if you don't already, please subscribe to Watson's Daily because you'll get so many more stories on, on a daily basis. And you need the number of stories, a number of stories to give you that um, uh, sense of uh, identifying what the trends are and things. Obviously, we try and do this here as well. But you can do so much more if you get a subscription. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say is that uh, we are going to be off um, for the Jubilee. So tomorrow um, is is the final um, a podcast with Alina, um, unfortunately for this for this time round anyway. Um, but um, but just to let you know, um, so please uh, continue listening in. And thank you very much for your support. So thank you very much, Alina, for today. And um, uh, thank you very much for everyone listening in. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Many thanks. Bye.